Welcome to the Channel V6 Podcast. I'm your host, David Gale. This podcast covers all the unique and diverse topics that matter most to you, the Uinta Basin resident. Subscribe to listen to in-depth conversations about the local issues that affect us all. Today's topic is the Uinta Basin Railway, and I'm pleased to welcome our guests. We've got Kyle Robe, he's with the Rio Grande Pacific, and Mike McKee, Executive Director with the Seven County Infrastructure Coalition. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you for taking time to talk with us this day. Um, you know, last time, this is, uh, Kyle, this is your first time here uh, meeting with us specifically about the, the railway. And so maybe if you wouldn't mind taking a second and introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about what your position is with Rio Grande Pacific. Thank you. Um, yes, I, I'm the project manager for the Uinta Basin Railway. I went to school at BYU, um, graduated in civil engineering, and I'm a professional engineer licensed here in Utah. And I've worked on um, lots of different railroad projects in my career. Um, started out um, helping with the design of the Front Runner South project okay. um, in Utah County. And now um, I've spent a lot of my career working on freight railroads, and it's led me here. So <laughs> it's exciting. Here you are in Vernal, Utah. Well, you know, we've we've talked about this uh, at least once before, maybe twice. Um, Mike, maybe you can give us a little bit of background on um, where we were the last time we spoke, and uh, then we can get into a little bit more about what progress we've made since then and and what's been going on most recently. I know that there was a meeting today that you attended. Uh, yes, thank you, Dave. Uh, I'm trying to remember just uh, where we were at when we were here last time. Yeah, that wasn't but, fair of me to just dump but, that uh, on you. <laughs> but um, maybe maybe just some progress we've been that we've sure. made. Um, obviously, the seven-county coalition, uh, we've been involved in the aspect of, of the permitting. Uh, we were able to get some funding from the Community Impact Board to, to do the planning. And so the question might be asked with, with Kyle being here with Rio Grande Pacific and myself from Seven County Coalition, what is that relationship and what we're doing? Mm-hmm. But, but essentially, um, as this project was put together, uh, it's the role of, of, of our entity to, to be able to get the permits, to be able to get the licensure and all of those things. And of course, Rio Grande Pacific has been very supportive and helpful, and they put a bunch of money into this as they're well. So it, we've been as well. So we've been uh, locked at the hip of, of getting the permits and everything that we've needed to get done, and we get into that specifically you mm-hmm. know, as, as we as we get into that, if you'd like. But uh, we've made a lot of progress, and that's the exciting part that we'd like to be able to talk about uh, as, as you move along. Yeah. You know what? But before we even get to that, uh, assuming that we've got some listeners or viewers out there who uh, have never even heard of the, the UNA Railway and what it is, uh, let's start with there as a foundation. What is the railway, meaning where is the proposed railway going, and what's its purpose, um, and, and how is that going to benefit uh, a County residents? Well, very good. Um, the, railway, uh, the railway itself that was, that's permitted uh, through the EIS, uh, if, you, if people know where Leland Bench is, but that's uh, if you know where Pelican Lake is, but okay. just a little west of, of Pelican Lake is an, an area called Leland Bench, and the rail would would travel uh, going west, and it would move uh, uh, through uh, terrain. It would get it over going up to Indian Canyon, and it would go go up Indian Canyon. Um, the you know quite a ways. There will be some tunneling come out the other side, 
And if people know where the Emma Park Road is, it's a cutoff road that, uh, that goes over to Highway 6. And uh, when you get over there to Highway 6, there's a uh, there's rail line that's there. And it, it, it connects to uh, two Class 1 railway carriers there. All right. So it makes it all the way over to um, Highway 6 is where it meets up, which then can basically anything that was on the rail from that Leland Bench area can make it anywhere in the world at that point in time. Well, at least anywhere that trains can go. <laughs> yeah, it, it connects to the national rail network. Right. It does. Yeah. Okay. Um, and ultimately, what's the purpose of having uh, access to the rail system for oh, us in our county? I, I love that question. Thank you. Because we have been, we have really been at a competitive disadvantage uh, pretty much to the rest of the nation because most places do have rail. And they have a, a freeway system. Mm-hmm. And in the Uinta Basin, we've, we have neither. And so <clears throat> we haven't been able to, <clears throat> excuse me, have manufacturing. We haven't been able to have, I mean, in, in a large scale, uh, uh, costs and, and services, all those things have been more expensive in the basin. So we, you know, we've kind of gone up and down a lot with our economy in Uinta County mm-hmm. and in the, in the Uinta Basin a lot of it has, has followed the extractive industry. And by having this rail come in here, I believe this really levels the playing field. It creates a tremendous opportunity for us to, to be competitive and, and for families that want to be able to stay here, to be able to have jobs and good paying jobs. And, and I believe that it brings uh, a lot of economic uh, opportunities mm. for the basin. What industries have you seen that have shown interest? I mean, I imagine oil and gas would be one of them. Uh, of course, you know, uh, <clears throat> oil and gas will will be strong. I think there's a good component there for <clears throat> agriculture. I believe there's a good opportunity for manufacturing and others. I'm sorry, I got this a uh, little bit of a. Uh, um, that's right. You take a drink if you need. You it. know, I I, <laughs> I promise I don't have COVID. <laughs> you know, unless there's uh, unless uh, I'm. Uh, got something that I don't know I have, oh, right, but I right, don't. But right. I'm just... Uh... Well, that actually brings up a good point. I'm, I'm wondering because, um, well, first of all, this has been in, in plan for a while now, and uh, COVID changed an awful lot. Did that have any effect on um, the railway coming to fruition? Yeah, and let me, and, and Kyle might want to respond to this, but one sure. of the things that I really appreciate about our partnership we have with Rio Grande Pacific, when COVID hit, one of the things that happened... Uh, it wasn't long after it hit, uh, and and oil the oil industry just pretty well just stopped. In fact, there was a, a a short period there where it actually cost money for the traders to give the. It, it was on a negative side. It, right. it was like it cost money to give it away. Uh-huh. I mean, that was a short-lived period, but but that's how bad it was. But what I was going to say with that. Uh, with our partners, they said, we, we see this as short-lived. We don't believe that's going to happen. We're in. We're in it for the long haul. And so they've been tremendous partners to say, you know, uh, that doesn't, I mean, I'm sure they weren't excited about it, but it didn't seem to bother them. And they said, you know, we're, we're forging ahead. Right. So you've got this railway that's in the works. Uh, you've gone through your environmental uh, impact statement. Um, yeah, I, I imagine that something like this is not cheap. Uh, wh- where's the funding coming from? And maybe that's a good question to, to, to turn that over to Kyle, sure, because Kyle. That's, that's the group that will be doing this. Okay. So. All right. Thank you. Um, so there's a partnership that we have with the Seven County Infrastructure Coalition, with Rio Grande Pacific, Drexel Hamilton, 
and the Ute tribe. Okay. And the the funding is the funding partner itself is Drexel Hamilton, DHIP. Um, if you're looking for them, that's DHIP. And Drexel Hamilton is the, they're in charge of funding and um, paying for the railroad. Okay. And I'm I'm guessing then that the reason why is because there's uh, some financial gain that they hope to get from this in the future then. Well, it it will benefit everyone economically. Um, it'll benefit locally, uh, the communities here, the county, um, the state of Utah, and um, everyone that wants to bring anything out of the basin, it's mm. going to be economically uh, beneficial because right now there's not a lot of... Um, highways and, and things right. to, to bring those goods out. And this is going to open those opportunities up even more. Yeah, it's interesting because when you think about technology and the, and the, the advancement of technology and um, oftentimes uh, access to broadband internet is something that uh, is looked at as whether or not uh, an area can grow. Um, it's, but we're, we're, we have plenty of internet. Um, we don't have actual roads and rail that allow us to get products in and out. Um, so as as we look at uh, the progress that we've made um, since last time we talked, that was the next thing that we were going to discuss. Yeah, so thank you. So a tremendous progress has happened on this project. And so uh, just for your listeners and viewers to understand, you know, this this project is not an easy project. Uh, for years, and uh, you know, we've wanted to have rail in the Uinta Basin. Mm-hmm. It's been something that's there's been four or five different studies that has been done to do the rail. Uh, it's always it's a, it's a difficult project to do, but where we're at at this point now, and and I'll go to the end and then come to the front. Okay, we have approval from the federal agency from the Surface Transportation Board. They have pr- approved the the EIS. They've approved the licensure. And so that is approved to from the federal government to go ahead and build this this railway. Okay. And and that that is extremely significant. Um, <clears throat> a lot of people have questioned and, and have said, you know, can this be built? Can this be done? Is it really going to happen? And while there are still a few uh, things that's got to be finalized, um, having that uh, approval from the federal government is is extremely significant and. Uh, it's a big deal to our community, and and uh, so we're we're very appreciative to so many people that have helped on that. And maybe a little later on, we can mention some of the sure. entities that uh, have been so helpful in helping that to happen. Uh, we also have the Army Corps of Engineers uh, permit, which is a very significant permit, and that is in place. And so most. Most of the permits, most everything we need is in place. There are still a couple things that need to be finalized, including uh, from the Forest Service. But it's you know we're we're getting close on on most all of these permits. And and what still has to happen before the first shovel can go in the ground, uh, and then follow up to that once construction actually does start, what's the timeline we're looking at for how long? Yeah, that's a great question. First, um, to be able to get a shovel in the ground, we have to finalize, like Mike was saying, the Forest Service permit. Mm-hmm. And then we have a design process that we go through. And that covers engineering, 
uh, making sure that we know what's out there when we go out there and, and start constructing. Mm-hmm. We have an idea of what the land will look like from a geo- geological side and um, and just kind of get an idea of what the construction is going to look like, plan it out, make sure we have a schedule for that. And the goal is to start construction January 1st of 2023. Oh, that's soon, relatively speaking. Relatively soon, yes. Okay. <laughs> I have a hard job. <laughs> yeah, you've got a lot to do. <laughs> I do. And then um, the construction timing is about a two-year period, so we hope to have everything completed by the end of 2024. Okay. And then have the railroad operational January 1st of 2025. So ultimately, January 1st, 2025 is our goal. And how, how do you two feel about that? It's exciting. <laughs> very, uh, it's a lot of work, though. Yeah. You know, uh, very excited. Um, this is a game changer for our community. It, it's yeah. transformational. It's a game changer, and our community should be very excited about it. Um, it, it, it just helps with jobs. It gives us an opportunity in our community to be able to diversify and do things that we've always wanted to do in the basin and mm-hmm. haven't been able to do. Yeah. I'm curious. Um, have have either of you been along the proposed route uh, to 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 see what it looks? Like? I'm sure you have. I mean, it's kind of got to be part of it. I'm, I'm wondering what it right. looks like. Can we describe it a little bit? Yeah. And, and Kyle, do you want to? Do you want to? Uh, do I can do that, or if you'd like to, uh, Kyle is Kyle is the engineer with all the maps and all the you know. We can describe it if you were to drive along it. So. Do you, Kyle, do you want to take that if you'd like to, or else I could either way? I can. Okay. Now, I'm going to try to describe it not in an engineering description because <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I don't know how helpful that could be. Sure. But, um, in terms of where we're going, um, Mike kind of gave us a route of where it goes, uh-huh. but the terrain itself, um, we we stay fairly flat um, in Leland Bench and through um, Duchesne and, and, until we go into the canyon. And then as we go up the canyon, we cross over Indian Canyon Creek. Um, we're building bridges to go over the creek. Okay. Um, that way, um, it's less impact on the creek. Right. And then we go up through the canyon to the top through where it's um, forest service. Okay. And we have two tunnels right there. And those tunnels, one's a U-shaped tunnel. And the other tunnel is a spiral tunnel. And the reason for that is trains can trains really want to go straight and flat. Right. That's what they like to do. Yeah. They don't like to go up or down or you know, tight curve side by uh-huh. side. And so we have a U-shaped tunnel and a spiral tunnel because it's too steep through the canyon right in those spots. Oh, interesting. And so we kind of you know, lengthen the track a little bit so that we can catch the right amount of elevation for the train so it's not too steep for it. Okay. As we get out of that spiral tunnel, uh, about a mile further to the south um, is a three-mile long tunnel, which is the the really long tunnel. Yeah. We'll be about 1,000 feet underground in that tunnel. Wow. And then it comes out on the other side, and um, we come out in another canyon, Whitmore Park, and we have two more tunnels at the end of that. And so there's a, a shorter tunnel, uh, about a three-quarter mile long tunnel and, a, and about a half mile long tunnel to get through that some of that topography. Uh-huh. And then we wind through um, Whitmore Park is kind of the area it's called. And then we take a sharp turn to the east and go along Emma Park Road, which is 
more like the basin where it's a little more flat and and that's where we tie into the common carrier or the class one railroads gotcha that's um is that common um to have as many tunnels as i mean is it just because we're here in the rocky mountains it is that's exactly why and it is common now new railroads haven't been built for a while um mm-hmm. like that but that's certainly uh, common construction methods for this type of terrain. If I could just mention sure. on that too, as Kyle mentioned, <clears throat> it's really not common to build uh, this this size of a railroad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in many years, this will be the largest railroad built in the United States in close to forty years. And um, as Kyle was talking about, <clears throat> you know, the, the the terrain and and what we do there. Um, as they construct and, and design and build the rail, they're they're not exceeding four and a half percent grade. Is two, that two and a half percent? Two and a half percent. That's the maximum grade. So, wow. So picture picture in your minds as you as you listen to this. Um, I believe going down Parley's Canyon when people go to Salt Lake, I believe that's probably about a seven eight percent grade, something like that. Okay, correct. And so if you're if the maximum's a two and a half percent grade, you can recognize the engineering and everything that they need to do, which is this this is the expertise that these guys right. bring to this is uh, and and when you have a a train that's approximately a mile long, you know you can't just wander around like you can with a car right you right <laughs> you can't just do switchbacks all the way down and and so there's a lot of very high tech engineering that goes in to make this work and then also as they they work through uh, sensitive species and all the various issues that have to be worked with and landowners and all those things this is a very comprehensive effort that that you know Kyle could he could walk you through those things but that's what they're doing to make this uh, work and and so there is a, a general proposed alignment uh, that that gets us there gets it done how many years have we has this been in process quite a few um, the latest effort I'll say has been now or over three years now, right? Yeah, now. We, the, the latest effort, I would say, um, when once we kind of kicked off the EIS, that was June seventeenth, twenty nineteen. But there's quite a lot of work that went ahead of that. Yeah. And then we built upon the effort of some work that had been done with the legislature, uh, with the previous study through HDR as well. And uh, so, uh, you know, these concepts have been being worked on for a long time. But I, you know, they were able to take old information and greatly improve it with greater technology and mm-hmm. and expertise that they've been able to bring in this. And so it looks different than it has in other yeah. times. And, and speaking of technology, I'm, I'm, I'm interested just because it's interesting to me. Um, when you talk about making so many tunnels, what is what is the method? How is that done? Is it with those huge tunneling machines like you see making subways in New York? Well, uh, we're in the basin. Yeah. And so we're taking a different approach. Okay. We want to mine the tunnels. <laughs> we're good at that. Yeah. Yes, yeah. we are. And so um, the tunneling is really interesting. And, and the way that we've really kind of looked at the tunnels is is we've, we've taken some borings. We kind of know what the material is. Um, we need to do more of that. We will do more of that. But right now, the, the current approach is that the tunnels will, you'll build the portals on each end, and then you'll start mining out the material and the way that you do that, there's a lot of water in these mountains Mm. and there's fractured rock and it's mudstone. And as you go in there, what you'll do is you'll, um, drill, um, holes into the face of the rock and you'll high pressure grout 
those holes. Okay. And then what that does is it fills in all the fractures, um, gives you a little uh, reinforcing, and then you actually go in with road headers. And there's th- they're these massive machines. They're, they're really crazy looking. They've got a big arm, and they've got these big rotors on the end with teeth on them, and they move, and, and they just chip away at that rock. And we'll get about 25 feet a day on each end of rock that will tear out of, of the mountain. Okay. And as that comes out, you'll clean it all out. And then you'll reinforce your rock bolt or and, and gunite or, or, you know, whatever you need to do to reinforce the tunnel. Uh-huh. And then you'll do it again the next day. And it's just 25 feet each day. And you'll meet in the middle, hopefully about a year in a year's time. Okay. And so then, they, they really don't want to miss. You know? Yeah, yeah. You got to plan this just right. <laughs> yes. And then when you meet, then you've got to build your railroad through the tunnel uh-huh. and get it all set up ready for operation. So that takes another year. And with a tunnel that's three miles long was the longest one, right? Correct. Uh, do do you put lighting in there, or because it's a train, you just train, you just go through in the dark? That's right. You go through in the dark. The train has has lighting uh-huh. on it. Um, it's not a it's not a passenger um, right. train, and so it will be dark. Yes. And that that brings up a point. I'm I'm wondering um, because the area that you're talking about, um, depending on who you talk to, is rather beautiful. Um, Indian Canyon is is you know a fun canyon. Um, is there ever a potential that this rail line might serve passengers at some point in time, um, either as a, as a, just a, a fun trip or, or tying into Amtrak's other lines that go around? You know, I, I will say nothing's off the table. We ha- we, we're not permitted and designed for that. Okay. Um, we are focused on the freight side of things right now right. with with the railroad. Right? Uh, could it be in the future? Uh, there's always a potential for yeah. that, but it then would it take, would have to, yeah, yeah, yeah additional permitting, yeah, and, additional and, authorizations, yeah, right, and yeah. engineering would have to go into it, and yeah, maybe some retrofitting and. Who knows? Adding some lights. Right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Well, I got a bunch more questions for you, but uh, I think we're going to take a quick break. uh, So uh, you all can stay with us and we'll we'll be right back after this quick break. At V6 Media, we specialize in helping businesses tell their stories with powerful and engaging video. But telling your story is just the starting point. Telling it to the right people in the right place is how you make it count. Our team can help. By delivering your ad in places like Google, YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook, we'll make sure that your business is being seen. Your business has a story to tell. Let us help. V6 Media. Welcome back to the Channel V6 podcast. Once again, I'm your host, David Gale. Uh, We'll reintroduce uh, our guest for today. Uh, We are talking about the Uinta Basin Railway. We've got Mike McKee here, the executive director of the Seven County Infrastructure Coalition, and Kyle Robe. He's the project manager uh, from Rio Grande Pacific. Uh, And we left before we went to the break. uh, We were talking about um, tunneling and how cool that is. I don't know why, but just (laughs) the idea of of what it takes to figure out a spiral tunnel and how you meet in the middle. That's crazy. Um, Now, this is going to take an awful lot of work. Uh, The... The tunneling, the building, laying of the railroad, everything that goes into that. I'm, I'm wondering how much of that is outsourced to professionals who know how to tunnel who are from Connecticut uh, or otherwise versus uh, people in the basin. Right. And so the preference is that we have all local contractors, as many that would like to participate in this project, we want them to be part of the project. And so, there, like I said, it's a mine, mining 
mind tunnel for a right, reason. Right. Because we know there's a lot of people locally that uh-huh. have that experience. And is there anything that local companies who think, hey, I might be able to help out can do in order to get your attention? Absolutely. Um, if they email me um, and and they get on the list, we're, we're planning on meeting with contractors sometime later next month. Oh, okay. Um, so it's coming up pretty soon then. Pretty soon. And the reason for that is it just takes a long time to, to get everything prepared, but we also want to have contractor input on the design of the project. Mm-hmm. We don't want to go in there um, and just, we've got really smart engineers that know how to design things, but it's always helpful to hear what a contractor thinks of how mm-hmm. they will build it too. And so we want to have some of that input as we go into the to this design of the project okay. as well. Do you mind giving us uh, your email address? Oh, not a problem. It's K. R-O-B-E at rgpc.com. K-Robe at rgpc.com. It's like, uh, it sounds like a radio station. (laughs) (laughs) It does. (laughs) Both of them do, actually. Uh, Awesome. Um, You know, I, I, I don't know much about trains, uh, and it's, it's very fascinating to me, but I know that there is uh, a huge, um, group of people, enthusiasts, if, if you will, uh, who just live and breathe trains and, and they may want some more information. So I'm, I'm curious to know what you can tell us about the trains themselves, about the lengths or the styles. I, uh, when we were at break, uh, Mr. McKee, you, you were talking about unit trains versus something else. And I didn't even understand what that meant. So a, a unit train is a train that is filled with one commodity. Okay. And so, uh, if it was, sand or gravel or oil or mm-hmm. whatever it might be, it would be filled with one commodity that would be going to a particular destination. And so it's anticipated that there will be a number of, of unit trains, but there's also what's known as manifest trains, uh, uh, cars, and, and that's where uh, a train, and, and some of these trains will be close to a mile long, is that correct, uh, Kyle, I believe about a mile long on some of those. A, a bit longer even. Even even longer, uh, 100 cars uh, or so. Wow. And so uh, you can just imagine, you know, those cars hold quite a bit of, of and so when you have a complete train, and uh, and so a manifest train would, would be made up at a translating, transloading facility where you'd have the different commodities that would mm-hmm. come in to make that manifest train, and then... And then those uh, that commodity is dropped off at different locations and and that kind of thing, and so and I th- Kyle maybe you'll want to talk about this because this was part of your presentation a little bit earlier today. But you want to talk about uh, how many trains you anticipate uh, you know to begin with and maybe later on and that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, at first we think we'll have maybe three loaded trains coming out of the basin and three empty trains coming into the basin, so a total of six trains. Um, th- is that a, a per day? Per day. Oh, okay. And that's, you know, not unique trains necessarily. They want, they could be the same train, but it's six trips, I guess, is the best way to put it. Okay. At first. And and do you, do you anticipate that 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 might change at all? Meaning, will there ever come a time in which the trains showing up will also be loaded? Very much, yes, we do. Um, and... They could bring all kinds of materials in for manufacturing, um, for things in the basin, um, mm-hmm. and so they could they could come in loaded as well. Absolutely. In fact, I think Kyle, it's fair to say that's the goal. Obviously, okay. is is the most efficient way of moving a product is if you can have 
commodity coming in, right? Commodity going out, right? And and that that's that's always, you know, the best opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, uh, <laughs> if you wouldn't mind um, satiating a, a childhood <laughs> question, um, what happened to the cabooses? <laughs> I haven't so, seen. Do do they exist anymore anywhere? And what happened? They they don't. And so the the reason for that is the caboose um, is where the brakeman would stand. Okay. And he would have control of the brakes for the train, and so he would be using the 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 wheel to to crank those brakes and stop the train uh-huh. uh and now we have an invention called air brakes and so <laughs> right they, they, it all runs in sequence and all of the trains are connected by air hoses and you don't need a caboose to stop the train anymore because it's all automatically done from the locomotives and the air brakes stop the train now the interesting thing a freight train takes a mile to stop right and so even if something's uh, there this is kind of a you know a safety message uh-huh. a train can't just stop on a dime like a right. car maybe yeah. uh, it, it once it sees something that it needs to stop for it has to have a mile's worth of distance for it to fully stop wow um so yeah it, it takes a while to stop a train that's crazy is there anything about the the engines that would would interest a, a train enthusiast. Um, well, uh, the, the locomotives will be standard locomotives that you see on a Class One railroad. So if you okay. see a, a Union Pacific or a BNSF railroad, and you see those locomotives, um, they'll be those similar styles of locomotives. Yeah, um, I'm I'm curious. I'm, I'd like to kind of change directions just a little bit here um, because we've been. Uh, so many industries have been impacted by COVID and supply chains. Um, even though we haven't started construction yet, has there, as part of the planning process that you've gone through, uh, has there been any changes that have had to occur because of results of COVID or, or supply chain issues? You know, from a from a permitting side, and that's the area that I've been working on, I, I don't think that COVID really affected us much in the mm. fact that uh, you know, through technology and offices and, and you know, field visits, that kind of thing. Uh, on the permitting side, at this stage, it really hasn't had much effect on, on what we've been doing. At, oh, that's good. At this point. Uh, any, any roadblock, excuse me, any roadblocks that uh, you didn't foresee that uh, you've had to deal with? You know, on, again, I'll, I will go to the permitting side. Uh, um, actually, it's gone. It's gone very well. We we appreciate greatly appreciate uh, the federal agencies we've worked with. Uh, we've been able to do this, as I mentioned uh, earlier today, uh, a few years ago when we were doing this with the state of Utah. They anticipated it would take ten years hmm. uh, to be able to get uh, to a rail, and uh, we've you know we've done very well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um... I'm not saying that there hasn't been challenges because there's a lot of things to work through. There's, I can't even begin to tell you. I mean, every day there are various things to work through and to be able to. Right. To, but but I don't think there's really been anything that's that's really um, got out there that says, "Man, this is here's a roadblock we can't get through." Right. I just I don't know that we've ever had anything. You know, there's a time or two we've had to scratch our heads a little bit and mm-hmm. figure out the best way to do it, but. And and certainly funding hasn't been one of those. And in fact, if if you wouldn't mind, I'd I'd like to just get your thoughts a little bit more about um, 
or, or maybe clarify a little bit, because I, I think that there's a tendency for, for people when there is some sort of large project that is not under their control, but has an impact on their community, that they are going to have to foot the bill for that in, in some way, either in the planning process or in the future. Um, again, I, I understand that Drexel uh, Hamilton has been the, the primary funder for this. How is it that there's no tax levy or grant or otherwise that has had to have been part of this? Well, and, and I, I really appreciate that question. <clears throat> so uh, at the end of the day, <clears throat> the taxpayer will not be putting any money, any money to this project. Um, <clears throat> we did have, we did receive a, about a $27.9 million grant to help with the planning process. But in the agreement that we have with, with Drexel Hamilton, they will entirely repay that full $27.9 million. And on top of that, as this, as this railroad is built, I believe they estimate that this is somewhere around a billion and a half dollars, a billion, wow. a billion and a half dollars. It's a huge project. Yeah. And uh, again, this will not be money coming from the federal government. This isn't money coming from local government. It's not coming from taxes. This is money they will raise as they build this railroad. railroad. And so um, when, how often do you find a project like that that will come into a community mm-hmm. and, and be able to do this? And ultimately, when it's all said and done, 100% privately funded. Yeah. And when it's 100% done, is there any uh, tax revenue coming in from it? You know, that's, that's the good part is <clears throat> even though, you know, that's, uh, that's government uh, or, excuse me, private funding coming into mm-hmm. this, uh, just because of the nature of what it does, we, we've estimated that, you know, there'll be $100 million of additional taxes and revenues wow. coming into local and state governments and those kind of things coming from this. I mean, that's, that's significant. Yeah, for sure. Know? And, you know, that just, that does so much because it gives us the opportunity um, as government uh, to provide goods and services and, and particularly on the governments, particularly on the service side of being able to provide the, the things we need in our communities. So yeah. It's extremely helpful. Who, who are the key players that, that have been in support uh, of this? I mean, obviously you've got private industry and you yourself are part of a, a seven county uh, coalition. Um Who've been who've been the main players here? Well, thank you. Uh, I appreciate that question again. You know, um, I I start right. Uh, I don't know where to start, but uh, I I appreciate Governor of the State of Utah because he's been supportive. Both both Spencer Cox and Gary Herbert, mm-hmm. uh, they've been supportive. Uh, the President of the Senate, Stuart Adams, had been outstanding. Speaker of the House, Brad Wilson. Our entire Washington delegation from Utah, our senators and our, our House members, um, and and I really want to give a shout out to the Ute Tribe. They have been outstanding, and uh, without the tribe support, I I doubt this project would be would succeed. That's and, great. And and the tribe has been outstanding, and I think we we all need to acknowledge how helpful the tribe has been in this. And then we have our, our county commissioners, our mayors, our elected officials, and key stakeholders. And I appreciate our, our citizens at large because there's been so many that have written letters of support and 
come to meetings and tried to understand, tried to help pass the word. Mm-hmm. I really believe this has been a very strong community effort, and it's really taken the village. It's taken everybody working together. And then I would also add we've had um, some really strong professional people working on this project. We've, we've got some very strong professional people. And then again with our with our private partner that we have, mm-hmm. and and them willing to do what they're doing, and and of course this is a, uh, you know it's a it's why we call it a partnership. Right, right. Yeah, I, I'm interested. The you, you know you mentioned the <coughs> tribe, and um, uh, it's it's wonderful. Um, you know there there's so much that uh, they contribute to our community. Um, do they have any plans on utilizing um, the rail system? I might, I might turn that to the private side. Yeah, Thank you. The tribe is an equity partner in the project itself. So what does that mean? It means that um, the money that is um, gained from the the railroad, being mm-hmm. having the railroad, the tribe will recognize, um, you know. A portion of a that. A portion of that. Okay. Based off of the, the land that is, uh, I'm assuming, going through uh, tribal land that, that they've allowed – uh, the railway to go through. There's there's just so many moving pieces that you would have to get everybody on board to agree when you're when you're talking about creating any kind of going, you know, through uh, different areas that have borders, and that's that's my land versus your land. Um, oh, you you've you've said it. <laughs> Can I just touch base on that for a minute? Sure. Minutes? Because um, <clears throat> anytime if you're building a a highway, a water or sewer project. To, to make it work, you've got to go from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. And the same with the rail. Uh, ultimately, you have got, if it's going to happen, you've got to, you have to have a starting place and an ending place. And it's got to be commercially viable to be able to do it. And that was part of that EIS that we went through. Right. And so, you know, there's, there's multiple lands and jurisdictions that we looked at. We even looked at, you know, Colorado. We looked at you know, the, the Bureau of Land Management, the Forest Service, mm-hmm. tribal lands, uh, state institutional trust lands, private lands. And, and so it's very complex. And then on top of that, you have to look at, um, you know, uh, archaeological. There, there's all these different yeah. things, sensitive species, yeah. endangered species. Uh, and there's just a multitude, you, you know. It's, the, it's it, amazing that you can actually, you've gotten as far as you have, I'll be honest. <laughs> it's, it's a full evaluation of, of everything, and that's what that EIS was, and it's right. very comprehensive. And that's one reason it costs so much to do the planning process, and that's why mm-hmm. it's, it's very difficult to do. But on the other side, the coin, <clears throat> at the end of the day, uh, the administration approved this project. And so we, we appreciate that. And, and Kyle, you, you being the project manager, and you'll have to remind me, you probably said at the beginning of the podcast, um, have you been the project manager the entire time since 2019 when we picked this back up again? Well, I've, I've been involved since then um, and primarily in an engineering and permitting role. Okay. And more recently have taken on that project manager title. And so of that... Uh, how much of I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get an idea of the planning process and, and how much of that planning process, you know, a, a layman like me, I might think that, oh, you just got to figure out where the train is going to go from point A to point B and, and, and why you need the spiral and whatnot. But, but how much of the planning was actual, this is where the train tracks are going to lay versus everything else? Right. Well, 
like I said before, a train wants to be fairly flat and pretty straight. Right. Um, however, when you're building in mountains, um, you also have to take into account the amount of earthwork that you're doing, meaning how much cut, how much extraction you're doing out of the ground or uh -huh. how much embankment or how much you're building up the ground to level that train out. And so what you do in, in this instance is you try to balance those. And it's all about, the key is, being able to take some, if, if you need a little less material here, you push it to where you need a little bit more. And hopefully where you push it isn't too far away. And right. So as you balance all of that out, that's part of that design process. And that all goes into it. But at the same time, you know, if, you know, we, we don't want to impact wetlands. And so we try to go to one side or the other of the canyon in that instance. Uh -huh. um, and then, you know, there's times where um, there's, a, a, a creek that runs along one side of the canyon. And so we're trying to push our railroad to the other side of the canyon to avoid impacting that creek as much. And so right. that all, that all gets taken into account as we design the project. That's crazy. I, um, I remember seeing, uh, these huge trestle bridges in, um, Eastern Washington. And I'm wondering, um, you know, they were probably built a long time ago. <laughs> I don't know. They're, they're beautiful. But when you look at the fact that you've got mountains that you've got to go over and the, the cost difference between tunneling versus either building up material or building a bridge, typically, which, which one is more cost effective? I'm, I'm guessing the tunneling. Well, in this case, um, if, if you have to cut down more than 300 feet of material, then you're in a tunneling situation at okay. that point. Um, being able to wind up and, and get to the top of the the peak here in Indian Canyon um, would be prohibitive cost-wise. Right. And so even though the tunneling is the most expensive part of the project, mm -hmm. um, it still is more cost-effective than winding up to the very top. And even then, from an engineering standpoint, that would take so much work that it wouldn't be worth it. <laughs> right, right. Um, because you'd have to side cut into the mountain and there'd just be so much into it that a tunneling is the only solution that we have to get through that part of the country, Indian Canyon. Yeah, I just going to mention, <clears throat> uh, you know, you've kind of zeroed in on the engineering and everything that happens. <clears throat> but as we started this project... Uh, we looked at about 29, 30, somewhere around different routes. And I think there were about three of them, three or four of them that went into Colorado. And so, you know, this was very expansive. Um, but at the end of the day, getting in and out of the basin is very difficult. Yeah. Very, very difficult. And so it's not only that uh, fine fine tuning, but it was also on a very broad perspective, mm -hmm. looking at all these routes and and what is the best way to do this with the least amount of environmental impact and, and to be able to make it so it could be viable because some of those routes just, uh, just are not viable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, most of them weren't. And, and as, as you are <coughs> or as you were looking at the different routes and then with those routes playing with different ways that you could get from point A to point B, um, it, it – is there some software or something that you're using that lets you like play like it's a little train track and move stuff around? How does that's, that work? That's exactly what Kyle does. It's all aerial imagery with, okay. with topographic features on it so that we can see um, the, the, 
the different elevation changes. Uh-huh. And so the key going through a mountain is making sure that you can make that grade work. Right. And not have prohibitively long tunnels mm-hmm. that you have to go through. And so that that was all part of it. And it's that aerial imagery that we really we relied on heavily okay. to, to be able to do that. And um USGS mapping and, and things of that nature all all went into that. So let me give an example of, of just what he's saying there. When, sure. when UDOT, back in about 2014, 15, uh, when, they were, when they were doing this project, I believed at that time, and it was going up Indian Canyon, mm-hmm. I believe that tunnel at that time was like seven, it was either seven or nine, nine miles ten, long. Ten miles, I believe. Was oh, it wow. altogether? Yes. Okay. So you can see how much work they've been able to do and, and obviously, the less tunnel you can have, the better, because you don't have to worry about as much ventilation and all those uh, mm-hmm. ongoing kind of problems as well. So to be able to, uh, you know, shorten that up was a huge success. And, and again, yeah. great, great credit to these guys, because, again, you got that constraint of staying within a 2.5% grade. And right. the way that they were able to design this is incredible. Yeah, and you know, and you said... Um, I, when you said three miles, I thought, wow, that's a really long tunnel, but you just said 10 miles. What What is considered in, in railway terms? What's what's long? Over a mile is, is a long, long tunnel. Okay. Yes. And the, the reason, I think the engineers, when they were doing the UDOT study, they probably would have gotten to where we're at today with a maximum three-mile tunnel, which is still a long tunnel. Mm-hmm. Um, but the study was, you know, they only had a certain amount of time to look at things, and they, they had to get something put together. And so I think they would have gotten there. But this most latest process, we've had a lot more time to to look at it and study it. And so we've been able to refine it and to get it to that three-mile tunnel. It's It's been a journey, but we've yeah. certainly found a, a route we think is... <laughs> Um, going to be beneficial. Well, thank you for indulging me on my childhood questions. I, it, it fascinates me. Um, it, what what else do the people of Uinta County and, and surrounding areas, what, what else do they want to know from well, you guys? I, I think something important to understand is during this construction process, we're going to have somewhere around 1,500 to 2,000 people um, when things are really going uh, f- um a lot during the construction time, uh, people doing the construction of the project. That's that's a lot of jobs right mm-hmm. there. And so we, we want to just open it up to anybody locally that wants to per- participate to provide services, um, construction, you know, if they've got any of that expertise, we would love to, to talk to them. And that that's a lot of jobs. And um, that's just the construction part of it, you know, that that 1,500 people building the embankments and, mm-hmm. and the bridges and the tunnels and things that go into building the actual railroad itself. Yeah. yeah. So there'll be more jobs supporting Yeah, those absolutely. And so, again, uh, I'll, I'll give your email again for any, uh, you know, larger companies who are looking to, uh, you know, participate or, or have a chance to. It was uh, K-R-O-B-E, that's K-R-O-B-E at R-G-P-C.com. I'm guessing that's Rio Grande Pacific corporation corporation.com yes all right well thank you gentlemen this is this has been fun for me i really appreciate you taking time to come in um i can't wait for our next visit i'm sure that we will have more than one before 2025 um and thank you all of course uh for listening to uh this channel v6 podcast make sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review or whatever you want on your favorite podcast platform if you have any questions or comments, please send us an email at podcast at channelv6.com and I'll work on getting
getting my mouth to work around words that are very simple. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. Yeah, sure thing. <laughs>